0: We're going to start out in Jonah chapter 1, and we're going to be in verse number 1 through 3. If you are online at paris.online.church, you'll see down at the bottom, there's a click. You can uh, click on the Bible app right there, and you can pull it up. We're reading out of the New Living Translation, and I'm going to give you just a second. You can click on that and uh, actually follow along. So on our online platform, paris.online.church, over at the bottom of the chat room, click on Bible. Then you're going to go find the book of Jonah, and we are in chapter 1. And the Bible reads like this. The Lord gave this message to Jonah. Get up and go to the great city of Nineveh. Announce my judgment against it, because I have seen how wicked its people are. But Jonah got up and he went in the opposite direction to get away from the Lord. He went down to the the port of Joppa where he found a ship leaving for Tarshish. He, a, he bought a ticket and he went on board, hoping to escape from the Lord by sailing to Tarshish. We're going to stop right there for just a minute. Nineveh Nineveh is a very pagan city. It's northeast of uh, Israel or, or the area, the, the, the promised land and Canaan, where the Israelites were living at this time. Jonah hated the Ninevites he really despised them because so here's the thing they they are not a people that is chosen by God they are outside of God's covenant and so he looked and they looked at everyone outside of God's covenant as an outsider as somebody who we don't need to associate with, somebody who lives in a very pagan and a very sinful world, somebody who is chosen or a people who has chosen to separate themselves from God entirely. A a, a group of people who Jonah and and the the Israelites should have absolutely nothing to do with. And because of this, the mentality is, is that God should have nothing to do with them. Jonah couldn't stand them, wanted nothing to do with them. His hatred for the Ninevites was so strong that he was willing to make a decision for God that they were not worthy. That they're not worthy of God's attention. Jonah, a man like you and I, is making a decision for God. God. And he refuses to fulfill his obligation. He's a prophet. He's a pastor. He's a man of God. He is somebody who has been appointed and anointed and given a job and a responsibility to take the word of God, to take the message to other people And he refuses to do his job. I want to ask you, Christian, what if we refuse to do our job? Now, this is more than simply saying, you know what, I I know that I've got a job to do. I know that I'm supposed to be telling people about Jesus, and I will someday. It's more than that. This is flat-out refusal, saying no. I will not tell others about Jesus. In this case, Jonah's saying, no, I'm not going to tell other people about God. I want you to see this. This is point number one in your notes this morning. You'll see this pop up in the chat room on paris.online.church as well. Point number one, if we don't go... We are voluntarily refusing salvation to other people. Voluntarily refusing salvation. And that sounds harsh, I know. But here's the truth. That is exactly what we are doing. When we don't go, when we have something to say to tell somebody what we refuse to tell them, When we know that God is telling us to speak to others and we put our foot down and say, no, I'm not going to do it. What we are doing is making a choice for God. And we're making a choice voluntarily denying salvation to others at our own hand. That's heavy. And it's harsh. But it's the truth. Who do we think we are to tell God who is deserving of salvation and who is not? Jonah apparently felt that his discomfort with talking to other people outside of his race, outside of his family, outside of his country, he felt that his uncomfortability with having that discussion with others was Okay, that it was worth it, that he was justifying himself not following God's command simply because he didn't feel like it. Because his distaste for other people was so extreme that to him, it was okay. He was the one now in charge of the salvation of other people. I want you to remember back, think back to when you were a kid. There was a moment, there was a time in your life when there was this change that happened, and it is a change that has stuck with you for your entire life. There was a couple of years at the very beginning of your life when your mother or your father or your grandmother, somebody every day went to the dresser, picked out clothes to dress you in. And that may have happened while you were in diapers. It may have happened while you were a toddler. It may have happened when you were three, maybe four. Maybe your mom wanted to make sure that you went to school in colors that match. But there was a moment when you wanted to pick your own clothes. And the next few days, you didn't go to school in clothes that matched. Actually, on, one, on your left foot, you were wearing a cowboy boot. And over here, you were wearing a soccer cleat. You're picking your, but you wanted to make that choice. What if mom, right now at your age, what if your mom was still picking out your clothes and you never had a choice of what you wear during the day? I'm 44 years old. If my mom were to to pick my clothes every day, lay them out on the bed and say, okay, here you go. This is what you get to wear today. I think, I'd be like, you know what? I'd kind of like to make my own choice today. Maybe, maybe I want to wear two cowboy boots. Or maybe I want to wear a cowboy boot and a swimming flipper or something. Right? But there's a time in your life where you want to make your own choice. But what happens is if, if mom never gives you that opportunity, then she is making this choice for you for the rest of your life. Isn't it nice to have a choice? Isn't it nice to know that you can go to the dresser and you can pick out your own clothes? See, that's a choice that Jonah was denying the Ninevites. Purposefully, voluntarily, willfully, denying somebody else an opportunity to know who God is. See, when it comes to, to God's command to us to go. And that's exactly what he, told, what he told Jonah. He says, I want you to go to Nineveh and talk to them because, see, this is, God knows that they are a sinful people. He is, he's been watching them, he knows them, this is a pagan nation. Here's the thing we learn about this story. And this is, a, this is huge. God doesn't only love you. God doesn't only love us. God doesn't only love your family. God doesn't only love your state or your country. I want you to think about this. We're here in Southern California. We're about an hour and a half from a border into an entirely different country. Do you think that God's love ever stops at fences? Do you think it it ever stops because there's an imaginary line in the dirt that changes one government from another? God sees no boundaries. His love goes everywhere. Why are we putting, why is Jonah putting boundaries on God's love? That's exactly what he did. See, God looks at the world, he looks at this globe... And he doesn't see different colored states. He doesn't see lines. He sees people. And he sees children. See, you and I, we don't need to know where we're going. That's not our job. That's God's job. God will... Tell you, this is where you're going. This is who you're talking to. This is the ministry that I want you in. These are the skills that I've given you. I want you to go here. It's not our job to determine where we're going. It's simply our job to go. It's simply our job to do our job. I don't want you to see what God does to counter Jonah's disobedience. We already see that he has... God says, I want you to go north, northeast... Jonah says, "Uh uh-uh. So he heads heads west, buys a ticket on a ship, and he's going to sail as far away as he can get from Nineveh. And he's got this idea in his mind, I'm going to run and hide. Come back with me. We're in Jonah chapter 1, verse number 4. But the Lord hurled a powerful wind over the sea, causing a violent storm that threatened to break the ship apart. Fearing for their lives, the desperate sailors shouted out to their gods, lowercase g, okay, for help, and they threw the cargo overboard to lighten the ship. But all this time, Jonah was sound asleep, down in the hold. So the captain went down after him. How can you sleep? At a time like this, he shouted, Get up and pray to your God, lowercase g he's referring to. Maybe he will pay attention to us and spare our lives. Then the crew cast lots to see which one of them had offended the gods, lowercase g, gods, and caused the terrible storm. When they did this, the lots identified Joseph or Jonah as the culprit. Why is this awful storm come down on us? They demanded, who are you? What is your line of work? What country are you from? What is your nationality? Jonah answered, I am a Hebrew. I worship the Lord, the God, capital G, of heaven who made the sea and the land. The sailors were terrified when they heard this, for he had already told them that he was running away from the Lord. Oh, why did you do it? They groaned. And since the storm was getting worse all the time, they asked him, what should we do to stop this storm? We're going to stop there for a moment. They're out on this ship. I want you to know something about these sailors. These are merchant men, merchant sailors. This isn't the first storm that they've been through probably ride through storms quite often in their ship, taking cargo from one place to another. As a matter of fact, the Mediterranean was known for storms. We see throughout the Bible, especially in the New Testament, we see members of of, of, of the the authors of, of different books that would get stuck in storms out on the Mediterranean Sea. It happened all the time. These men knew storms, but they didn't know a storm like this. They actually prayed and spoke to their gods, lowercase G gods. We've talked about this in the past. Lowercase G refers to any idol, anyone who is not God Almighty, our God, uppercase G God, the one who we serve, the God of, of Israel, the God of the, the God of the Trinity, the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. Anything outside of that, whenever the Bible refers to God, it's a lowercase g as in God's idols. And they're saying, What idol have you run away from? What, what, what idol do you serve? They serve many. They're polytheists, poly meaning all or many. John is, Jonah's a monotheist, mono meaning one theist god one god he serves one god the one true god and when they hear this they are scared point number two in your notes is this there is nowhere you can run where god can't see you nowhere you can't run You can't find any place to hide that God can't see you. Sometimes people think to themselves, they say, you know what? If I just remove myself from church, if I don't go to church that much, then I feel like I'm not very close to God. And that means that maybe God can't really see me. If I can't see Him, then He can't see me. That's not the case. See, you can't hide. You can't hide. It really doesn't matter how close to God you are for God to be able to see you. He can still see you. Yeah, it matters how close to God you are, but you can't run. Just because you can't see him behind you doesn't mean he's not there. Absolutely, he is right there. And even though Jonah is running from God, get this, this is interesting. He's running away from God, but he still tells people about God. They say, who are you? What's your nationality? Who is your God? And then and, and Jonah says to the sailors, he says, I am a Hebrew. I serve the God of heaven and earth, the one who created everything that you see. So look what he's doing. He is running in disobedience away from God, but he hasn't forgotten who God is. He has such a deep hatred for the people that he's been told to go and speak to, but he hasn't given up his faith. He still has it. He's running with his faith. How backward is that? I wonder if you have ever run from God with your deep faith. You say, I I truly believe. I know that that Christ died on the cross for my sins. I know who God is. I know who supplies my needs. I have deep faith, but I'm going to run. That's backwards, but it's certainly running with a heart of guilt. Sailors say, well, why, why is it? Why have you turned your back on God? Why are you running from God? I wonder, how can we state to somebody? How can we tell somebody, even ourselves, that we know God and we love God, but we are unwilling to be obedient to his commands? How can we do that? How can we stand up and there's a roll call of Christians and we say, here I am, I'm right here. And then the command is, okay, Christians, you need to go over here. We're going to go over here and start telling other people about Jesus. And you say, you know what? I'm I'm comfortable right here. I'm just going to stay here. How can we we mix those two? We say, I love God. I have deep faith. But I'm going to stay there. I'm not going to move. As a matter of fact, when everyone else moves, I'm going to run that way. I'm going back where I came from. Because you know what, here's the thing. If you're not moving to the place that God is sending you, then what you're choosing to do is stay in the place that God's trying to take you away from. You can't have it both ways. You can't follow God and his commands to go and still hold on to the sinfulness of our past. That doesn't happen. The captain of that ship, when he came to Jonah for answers, he knew, and Jonah knew something. There is one person on this ship who could stop the storm. Only one. It's not the captain, it's not any of the deckhands. Jonah's the only one who could stop this storm. All he had to do was turn to God and pledge his obedience. Say, you know what? I want to ask the guys to turn this ship around, take me back to shore. I am going to hop on a donkey or a camel and I'm going to Nineveh. Yeah, I'm good. Got this. Could have could have said, I am turning my life around to obedience to you and I am going to follow your command. Let's shut this storm down. I'm ready to go. It's not what he did. That's not what he did at all. He actually was willing to risk the lives of every person around him so that he didn't have to tell other people about Jesus. In this case, we're in the Old Testament, so that he didn't have to tell other people about, about God and his, his direction. He didn't have to tell other people about what God has chosen for the, for the Jews. He didn't invite them into the kingdom. He chose to put everyone else's life at risk. Now, I'm not talking about their spiritual life. I'm talking about their physical life and their breath. Everyone around him was in danger right now. This isn't a storm that these guys know how to manage. They threw everything out of their ship. They start casting lots. They're kind of like a dice game of sorts to determine, you know, whose fault is this? It's his. It's this guy who's sleeping. He's willing to risk everyone else's life to simply continue to walk in disobedience and to continue to walk in this hatred lifestyle. This lifestyle that he has chosen is contrary to God's direction. It's contrary to what God has never told the Israelites to hate others. He has told them many ways to live, however, And he was to take those rules and regulations and those directions of of a life with God and take it to others and tell them. And Jonah refuses to do that. When you were a kid, I guarantee you, there was times that there were maybe some other kids that come over to your house. You get two or three six-, seven-, and eight-year-olds together for an hour, somebody is going to say this. Hey, you wanna play hide and seek? Right? Somebody's gonna say that, and if you start the game and you're on your home turf, you've got the advantage because you know where all the fun hiding spots are, right? There's uh, everyone's gonna go for the clothes basket. Everyone's gonna go for the, for the closet. Everyone's gonna go for the under the bed, but there's that one cubby hole in your mom's desk that you could still fit in because you're small enough, that nobody else could fit in there really, and you're gonna hide in there, right? You know what I'm talking about because you've been there. But you may have been one of those unfortunate children who you're in that hiding spot and you're waiting. And you're waiting and you're waiting. You know what happened? All the other kids were found, and they just decided that they were going to leave you there. They are going to wander off and play Super Mario Brothers and Duck Hunt, and they were going to leave you in that that desk. Millennials, you're going to have to look that up. Duck Hunt was a a great game. okay? But they're going to leave you in that little cubbyhole. There's a great lesson in our old game of hide-and-seek. You might be one of those kids that says, you know what, I have got a hiding spot and no one is ever going to find me. I'm going to hide and I'm I'm going to, I'm going to hide forever. I can hide forever. But let me tell you something. You can't stay hidden very long. One of two things is going to happen. Even after the cool kids have gone off and left you in that cubby hole, in that desk, something will happen. Couple of hours, some of the kids are going to have to go home and they're going to have to, you know, where's Tommy? Oh, I bet he's in that desk. Let's go find him. Somebody is going to come and find you eventually, or, or you're going to crawl out of that hiding spot. You're going to give up. You're going to say, you know what? Game's over. Either your friends are going to come and find you from hiding from God or you're going to get tired of hiding and you're going to come out on your own. It's going to happen. One of the two. You can't stay hidden for long. There is no place that you can continue to hide from God. What is it that God is asking you to do? What is it that's been on your heart recently? What's the ministry that you've been running from? What is it that 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 project that you hope that the pastor just, just don't ask me about that again. What is that? Who's that guy at work that knows or thinks that you're a Christian because you know, you, you, you have this necklace that you wear sometimes. that has a cross on it. Or, you know what, there's some verses on the calendar at your desk. And, and they think that maybe you're a Christian, but they're not sure because they never hear you talking about Jesus. As a matter of fact, they kind of get the impression that maybe you're running from God. Maybe that's what you're doing. Maybe that's what, maybe that's the impression that everyone else gets. Maybe there's sailors all around you that are looking to you for answers, but what they see is you running. Come back with me to Jonah. We're in chapter 1, verse number 12. Jonah says this, Throw me into the sea, Jonah said, and it will become calm again. I know that this terrible storm is all my fault. Instead, watch this, the sailors, they rowed even harder to get the the ship to land, but the stormy seas were too violent for them and they couldn't make it. Then they cried out to the Lord, Jonah's God. See, they're not crying out to their idols anymore. They called out to the Lord, Jonah's God. Oh Lord, they pleaded, don't make us die for this man's sin and don't hold us responsible for his death, oh Lord, You have sent this storm upon him for your own good reasons. Then the sailors picked Jonah up and they threw him into the raging sea and the storm stopped at once. The sailors were awestruck by the Lord's great power and they offered him a sacrifice and vowed to serve him. There is just some amazing Theology in those four verses. Total strangers, pagans, are now, because of Jonah's witness, praying to Jonah's God, our God, God Almighty, the one who created heaven and the earth simply because of his testimony. They are praying, they are offering sacrifices, but here's the most important thing that we've got to see in this point. Point number three in your notes is this. Cutting yourself off from the world will not stop the work of the gospel. Jonah purposefully, willfully ran to cut himself off from the world. You and I... We know the rest of the story from this point. And remember, at the beginning of our service this morning, I asked you, I want you to, re- to forget everything that you know about Jonah and the next three words, okay? Because we're not even going to get to that fish today. Forget everything you know, and I want you to come back with me to that point in time that we're at right now. Jonah didn't know what was going to happen. He didn't know the rest of the story. The sailors didn't know what was going to happen. They didn't know the rest of the story either. Jonah's response should have been that he would have this he would talk to God, turn around, go to Nineveh, the storm would calm down and the sailors would be safe. That Jonah would be obedient. That should have been his response, but it wasn't. Instead, Jonah literally chose suicide. He literally chose suicide. When Jonah told the sailors to throw him into the sea, this prophet of God, this man who literally has heard God's words speaking to him, who literally now knows the depths of God's grace This almighty man and prophet cared more about his disobedience than he even did his own life. We see that Jonah didn't care for the possibly hundreds of thousands of people who lived in Nineveh. He didn't care about them. He ran. Jonah didn't care about maybe the dozens of sailors that were on this ship. He didn't care about them. Went and fell asleep. He didn't care. And now we see that he doesn't even care about his own life. His heart is so cold. And his disobedience, his ability to continually be disobedient, his his pressure to stay away from God's command because he wants to do things his way, because he knows better than God, right? So strong that he is willing to literally die. Nobody jumps into the ocean, in the middle of the ocean, and expects to live. Nobody tells the sailors, throw me in the ocean, and they expect to live. As a matter of fact, this would be pretty common back then, you get a guy on that ship, he does something wrong, that is capital punishment. You just, three guys grab him and throw him out. You have no expectation you're ever going to see that guy again. You throw them into the, into the sea and they die. That's what happens. That was, was Jonah's answer to this problem. Just kill me. I'm okay with that. See, it really doesn't matter what Jonah felt about the Ninevites. What mattered was that God told Jonah to go and tell the Ninevites about salvation, and Jonah said no. He said no. He didn't just run. He ran to get away from God. But it wasn't just that. He was willing to go to the ultimate Extreme to avoid following God's commands. A lot of times in church we'll ask questions like, well, do you know what it is going to cost you to follow Jesus? And there's a list, sure. It might cost you your friends. It might cost you your, your family. It might cost you time. It might cost you finance. When we're obedient to God, we are giving him no less than the 10% that he's asking for. It might cost you giving up your pride. It might cost you giving up your current sinful lifestyle. But this man of God was literally willing to die to hold on to his distance from God. And that's sad. So much distance he wanted to create from God and from God's direction in his life that he was willing to give up his life. And in his mind, When those sailors grabbed him by the feet and grabbed him by the arms, and they started to swing him like this, said, two, three. That was it. In his mind, he was done. Sailors didn't know that he was eventually going to make it to Nineveh. In just a couple of moments after they threw Jonah in the water, the storm died down. I'm sure they put their sail back up. The wind picked up that sail and they kept on sailing. Eventually those men got home. And they would tell their kids that the sovereign God who created the land and the sea and the heavens and the earth, who created everything, this God they've met, this God they know. And they would tell their, their their co-workers and their friends and their family all about God who created everything. And now they, they, would, they would just introduce everyone that they know now to, to, to Yahweh. And, and, and somebody would ask them though, who was it that introduced you to, to God? And these sailors have only one truth that they could tell their family. They can tell their kids that, you know what, the man who introduced us to God, he refused to tell anyone else. He wasn't obedient. He actually probably didn't even want you to know. Here's my children right here. He didn't even want you to know. Because this prophet, this pastor, this man of God, this Christian, this churchgoer, this man who carries a Bible with him in his car, who has a fish bumper sticker on his car, who wears a a necklace with a cross on it, who has some verses on his calendar, has such disdain for being obedient to God. And in this case... This man took his own life because he hated others more than he loved God. In order to run from God to Jonah, his own life was a fair and acceptable price. He was okay with that trade. If you look back on your life over some of the hardest times that you've ever lived through, I wonder... How far away from God you were. When was that that time when your marriage was just in shambles, just on the rocks? Can you estimate how far away from God you were and your marriage was at that time? I wonder if you can look back in your 20s at that time, maybe your late teens and into your 30s when you, when you were hooked on some sort of substance. Maybe it was drugs, maybe it was, maybe it was alcohol, maybe it was a, just a terrible, sinful lifestyle that you were hooked in and you couldn't seem to get out of it. How far away were you from God when the storms in your life were at their worst? How far away from God were you? How far did you run? And were you still running? Are you still running? See, you could run from God, but you can't get away from Him. You can create distance between yourself and the church, but you can't get away from God. You can refuse to pray and you can refuse to read your Bible and you can refuse to come to church, but you can't get away from God. You can decide that you are going to live by by one of the world's many corrupt and perverted lifestyles, but you can't get away from God. You can tell yourself that you think you are who you want to be and you're going to tell yourself who you are, but you can't get away from God. You can't get away from His truth. You can run fast. You can run far. You can cover vast distances. You can go to places that only the most sinful will frequent. You can hide in the dark and you could walk in front in the protest against God, but you cannot get away from Him. You can climb. You can dig You can hide, you can go underground. But no matter what you do, you cannot get away from God. You know why? It's because you have a job to do. It doesn't matter how strong you are in your Christian faith. Or if you walked away years ago, or if you've been walking away for 10 minutes, your job in the kingdom is not set by you. There's so many aspects of your life that you don't govern. Contrary to popular secular culture, you don't get to determine who you are. You don't get to determine what you are because God determined that. You don't get to determine the personality that you're going to have because God determined that. You don't get to determine your eye color because God determined that. You don't get to determine when you're going to be born. You don't get to determine how you'll be born, when you're going to die, how you're going to die, because God has determined that. God determines that. And you can't get away from God. Let me tell you something else. You don't get to determine the mission of your life and the ministry that God has for you because God determines that. It's not your job to determine what your job is. It's just your job to do your job. It's your job to follow and to be obedient. I want you to know that God isn't done with you. If you have breath, God's not done with you. You know why he won't leave you alone? Because the job's not done because we haven't accomplished all that God has set us out to do. Do you think God is going to leave you and just walk away with the job half done? No, it's not the way it works. One final verse and one final point this morning. Jonah chapter 1, we're in verse number 17. Now the Lord had arranged for a great fish to swallow Jonah. And Jonah was inside the fish for three days and three nights. The word arranged, this is an important word. It says the Lord arranged. This is a word appointed. It's not by accident. It's not simply a random fish that God said, okay, you come over. No, this fish God has his full hand in final point in your notes this morning is this. God just might be arranging nature to bring you into obedience. That's what God did with this great fish. It's God managing nature to bring Jonah back to obedience. I wonder if the storms in your life are not really storms at all. I wonder if the storms that you are going through, maybe these troubling times, I wonder if that's God calling you out, calling you by name. Sometimes we just say, well, that's life. That's life. These things happen. I just can't seem to get out of this cycle. It just, it just, it's over and over and over and over again, and I can't get out of it. I wonder, how much further away are you going to run from God? This storm is Him calling your name, trying to get your attention. It's God-controlling nature to bring you back to obedience. Does obeying God mean that it's never going to rain again? No. He doesn't promise us that. He has many promises for us. But there are many promises and blessings that we see and that come to us through obedience. This morning I'm going to ask you, what is it? Who is it? Where is it that God has been directing you? Where is it that he wants you to go, that you've been so hesitant to go? Who is it that he wants you to speak with, who you've been so hesitant to talk to, Who is it that he wants you to talk to that you you might have some distaste for this person or these people? Maybe it's a skill that he wants you to use that you've been trying to get away from for a long time. You say, you know what, I used to do that in a past job. I do not want to do that anymore. You know why you did that in a past job? God told you how to do that so that you could do it for his people. Everything you know. Everything that you have learned your entire life, God taught you to use in the kingdom. Maybe it's not a storm at all. Maybe it's God just trying to get your attention. Let's pray.